Welcome to The Pestle, reviewing and breaking down movies to look for insights into the movie making process. Hosted by before and after photos. Just flex, shave your chest, look happy, and add a little top lighting. Lights, camera, action. Welcome everybody to The Pestle. Today's show is brought to you by Sal's Pizzeria. Do the right thing and get the best pizza in New York at Sal's Pizzeria. Welcome to The Pestle. I am Wes. And I am Todd. And this is the show where a couple of filmmakers uh, do before and after photos. No. Um, we, <laughs> you <laughs> we, don't want that. You definitely don't. Well, not for me, from you. Not yet. Not oh, yet. True. You're, you're on your way. It's in route. Yeah. Stay tuned. Big things are happening at The Pestle. Yes, sir. <laughs> at least half of it. At least half of it. You've already there. You've been there. You've arrived. Oh, no, definitely not. <laughs> I just act like it. Fair enough. Play one on TV. Yeah whatever <laughs> so this is the show where we like to analyze break apart movies from more of a filmmaker perspective and story analytics and trying to understand theme and all the things that make good movies good and that's generally the attitude we take is we like to look at good movies gooder <laughs> goodish gooder gooder uh just because i mean it's always going to be more fun to talk about something you actually enjoyed yeah though it's what's interesting is it obviously doesn't always work out that we both like the same movie yeah not always not always but those are also interesting just to hear the things that rub you or things that rub me um i feel like i feel like a lot of times we rub off on each other when we actually have conversations about it. It's like, Oh yeah, I didn't see it that way. Oh, okay. That's so true. And that's the interesting thing about art in general, but movies specifically is you can walk out of a movie feeling one kind of way, but then just hearing someone else's experience of the movie can suddenly, I don't know, emotionally change the way you experience the movie almost retroactively. Oh, totally. I mean, we talk about it all the time. If you see a movie, I don't even want to know what you think of it before I see it and because it's going to affect how I see it and vice versa. I've, you know, It's so fun. I mean, yeah. that's one of the beautiful things about, I guess, any shared experience and why I still think going to a movie theater is worthwhile. I mean, it's a different atmosphere for sure, but it's also just a thing that you can walk out at the same time and know you both kind of had a similar experience to some extent. No. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it can't always line up that way, but sure. It's just a fun thing that I think is a good reason to keep going to a movie instead of doing everything at the house where you lose momentum and you pause the movie, right? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> to use the bathroom. Cause I'm going to do that. It doesn't matter. Like right. I'm still going to do that. But if I'm in a theater, I'm beholden to a different set of rules. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, today we're going to be doing the 40 year old virgin. Yeah. And so if you haven't seen it, uh, make sure to pause this, go watch it before you know what we think of it. We're just going to be spoilers galore, uh, obviously. Um, so yeah, go pause it, watch it, come back. We're going to talk about a few things, um, how you define the romantic comedy genre. That's going to be interesting. And comedies. Yeah. That was, that was the whole reason we were doing this film in, in particular mm-hmm. is because this conversation popped off about the definition of certain comedic genres. Yeah. Um, we'll also talk about cinematography and the story basics of comedies and a plethora of more things such as these. So a quick synopsis of the film, again, spoilers, uh, goaded by his buddies, a nerdy guy who's never done the deed only finds the pressure mounting when he meets a single mother directed by Judd Apatow screenplay by Judd Apatow and Steve Carell cinematography by Jack and green starring Steve Carell as Andy Catherine Keener as Trish Paul Rudd as David Romani Malco as Jay Seth Rogen as Cal Elizabeth Banks as Beth <laughs> Jane Lynch as Paula Kat Dennings as Marla Wow. Yeah. Really? Uh-huh. Seriously? I think I think we're at 18. Uh-uh. Because there were a couple dates there that don't really count as dates. No. 
I'll give you a free pass on those other ones. Thank you. Listen. What? Listen. Mm-hmm. I really like you. I... I... I think I'm falling for you. I don't know, I kind of see this going somewhere. I do too. I just think we should just go crazy on each other. Okay. Oh, thank God. Oh. oh. Okay, I sh oh. I gotta pick those up. No, pick them up. No, 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 no. I have to pick those Let's up right now. Wait, we'll get Listen, them later. Listen, no, I can't. No. no Listen, it's really important because once the integrity of the box gets compromised, this is original packaging, and that's why these things are so valuable. So you don't, you don't want to screw with that. You really don't right. want to screw with that. Uh-huh. Well, we can wrap them again later, you know? Yeah, I know. But you know what? This is very important that we don't we don't lose Andy, a value. We don't I'm compromise the integrity of the throwing packaging. myself at you, and all you can think about is fucking toys. They're not fucking toys. This is Iron Man, okay? I got this when I was in second grade. Do you know how hard it is for a kid to not open that? Uh -huh. This is important. These are my things, and you are trying to make me sell them, and I don't want to. No. And you're making me. I, I'm not you, making. You're encouraging me to quit my job? I'm not, I'm not trying to. You want me to open a store. You want me to sell everything. You know what? I'm going to tell you something. I don't just change like that. I can't just change for you. I'm, I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to change you. I like you. I just, I'm trying to help you grow up, Andy. Well, thanks a lot. I mean, my God, you ride a bicycle to work in a stock room. You know what? I'm not in the stock room anymore. I'm a floor manager. Okay. And I ride a bike because I like to. Einstein rode a bike. He had a wife who he fucked, by the way. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> well done. So I, I like that, that scene so much because, for one, like, there's two conversations that are kind of happening, even though they're the exact same conversation, right? Yeah. Like you have him uh, freaking out about the packaging on his boxes, but obviously that's as indicated by, I think it's Paul Rudd earlier in the film. That's like, dude, you're like these action figures. You're hermetically sealed and you refuse to let yourself open up to the world or something similar. Yeah. And that's exactly, I mean, it's so symbolic of him as a human being and his inability to kind of uh, engage with life and grow up to some extent and more specifically, you know, have sex and that newness that he's so frustrated is timed based around him losing his virginity at that moment because yeah. suddenly she's ready and he's like uh and he first reason older yeah you know that's true so she, doesn't, she know. doesn't know what she would be taking yeah and he's afraid to tell her because he's a, he's afraid of what she'll think and he's also he's just he's just a scared guy yeah in general yeah that's yeah i mean what do you think the whole riding a bicycle thing is about well it's safer true yeah. You know, and he doesn't have to put himself out there to try and get a, 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 like to do a test and get a driver's license, you know, but like he doesn't do well with people in general, hmm. even the males he doesn't do well with. So, I mean, I guess one could argue he's on like maybe on the spectrum a little bit yeah. in some regard, but yeah, so it's just a way to, you know, se separate himself from the rest of the other funny thing that I noticed about the car thing uh, or bike <laughs> is whenever I had it on pause uh, last night um, as I was running to and fro and I'd paused on a scene where she's driving him towards the end. And I realized 
you know, it's obvious throughout the film, but just sitting in there and watching that still frame, it's like, yeah, he is constantly being driven around. Every time he's in a car, it's a woman driving the car. Mm -hmm. I thought that was interesting, too, because it's like he's given it all the power to drive relationships to women in his life. And it kind of harkens back to that uh, that joke that's being repeated throughout the film that he puts... uh, the P on a pedestal. You can say it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. You know, and it's, I think that's kind of furthering that whole uh, idea too. So in addition to like the fear of like having to deal with traffic and danger and certainly talking back to he's not growing up, right? You, little boys ride bicycles is what, you know, the, the idea that they're trying to impress on us. And he's never I don't know what they call it arrested development I guess mm-hmm. like he's just never grown up for some reason and I think one of the cool things is we never really get those reasons yeah I was just gonna say and I like I like mm-hmm. stuff like that that doesn't have to spell out oh he had a troubled life at home or whatever I don't remember ever hearing about his parents or home life no no and so it's kind of cool that you know they they leave some of that mystery still in while still because I don't know, maybe that just would have been too heavy for the for the comedy side of this. Um, maybe, but yeah, I kind of like that idea, and I I like that this is the obstacle that they don't tell you about that's mm-hmm. in the film that they never actually kind of force down our throats about. Hey, he needs to take control of his own life, not only his own sexuality, but just grow up. And it's so subtly implied uh, through you know the visuals and a, I don't know a bunch yeah. of other stuff. But well, and it's it's evident that he just doesn't trust people, you know, which I think is like the root of it, really, of this whole kind of thing. Like he doesn't trust the guys at first, and then even when he tries what they what they suggest, it doesn't like he kind of half asses it except with Beth, um, <laughs> which he just nailed. And yeah. I love that he actually like succeeded. Right. Yeah. But then they just move on. Like he doesn't yeah. even contact Beth until later in the movie. Right. Yeah. Um, but, but he, you know, he just doesn't trust He doesn't trust, um, Trish, uh, enough to tell her because he feels like she's going to let him down by thinking that he's weird or something like that. He doesn't trust her because he takes all of his stuff out of his apartment at first. He doesn't trust her later on whenever, you know, they're starting to sell the, like that exact clip. He's, he's just fine. Tries to find ways to like get away from people. Right. He always takes his wheel off his bike whenever he's like walking into the, you know what I mean? So like he, he has like this, a trust issue really, which I think that many of us have, you know, to some degree, obviously, uh, I think I'm probably too trusting in a lot of ways, but I think that my wife is the, to- you know, the opposite and she is very untrusting. Like you have to prove yourself worthy, you know, whereas I just kind of give it to you until you give me other, another reason yeah. not to. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, uh, and and to to that end, because he's un he's untrusting, he's just like testing little things. He'll like dip his toe in here, dip his toe in there, whatever. But then he always like kind of backs out, you know, like oh nope nope nope. If if stuff waters get a little turbulent, he's like nope nope back out, you know whatever. Because even the sex thing, he said I tried once, it didn't work out. I tried it almost happened one other time, didn't work out. So it just kind of like gave up on it, you know. Who gives up on? <laughs> right. you know, like, one of your basic human I mean, functions yeah exactly well anyway yeah 
That's really interesting. I mean, I really like the the point about it really underscores what you're talking about when you say he even takes the bicycle tire off. Yeah, the wheel. Like it's not enough to just yeah. <laughs> lock it up. He's yeah, like, no, he'd take the wheel off. We're doing right. the whole thing. And I don't think they're in like New York. It's LA. No, yeah, it's <laughs> California. Some kind of California. San Diego, I think. Yeah, maybe San yeah. Diego. Um, yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah, I think too. Going well, touching on your point about Beth, that's such a good point. Like, I didn't think about that before either. It was that they kind of set up that domino to fall later, yeah. right? They just said, okay, we can prime this pump, and then whenever we're ready to use it, like, mm-hmm. well, we'll come back to it. And of course, it comes at the climax. Cock, cock the gun. They cock the gun. That's right. Yeah. Yep. And it's uh, it's pretty convenient because. Can you explain that real fast? Yeah. So there's this idea in filmmaking that anytime you see a gun get loaded or if you see a gun, the gun has to go off. You can't just show a gun, load it, cock it, and then never see it go off. That's uh, anticlimactic. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. right. And so in this case, it's it's analogous because they showed us that he can connect with a woman sexually and have her primed and ready to go. So her gun is loaded, so to speak, metaphorically. And so we need to see where that goes. And of course it's too intense and impersonal for him. Right. Um, which is ultimately what it came down to Mm -hmm. was he, he needs emotional connection. That's the other cool thing about this movie is it's, as crass as it is, and in some ways, a lot of people probably won't feel like it ages very well. There's all these, you know, jokes about being gay, uh, mm-hmm. which you can take, I'm sure, you know, a number of ways. Uh, but at the heart of it, still, despite all the crassness and the crudeness, you know, it's still really about the social stigmas and anxieties that everybody has to deal with. And in some cases, it's particularly men like, you know, a 40 year old guy who's a virgin is not nearly looked down on and stigmatized the same way. I think I don't know from experience. I've never met a 40 year old virgin who's a female, but I just, I assume it's a little bit different for a female than it is a male. And I like that they're kind of diving into that world of what does it mean uh, to get there? And what's the the funniest way that we can present it because you could also make this a drama and that would be like a a terror. Like this would be a horror film. Totally. As a drama. So do you think it's stranger for a, a a male to be a virgin at 40 or a female to be a virgin at 40? Uh, I think it's stranger for a guy. Yeah. For a male. I would say. But do you think it's, it's, Okay, that's a wrong question. Do you oh, think it's less accepted? Uh, yeah, no, I think it's less accepted by far for for a guy. Um, as far as commonality, I would think it'd be more common for a, a man to be a virgin than a woman. I guess just really, I think it would Why be more common that? because I guess I see maybe the same world that uh, Andy sees in the sense that women have more control over you know sex in our culture than men do. Yeah. Yeah, but don't you think that, like, uh, obviously, the sex drive is definitely this. I, I would say that it's probably sim- very similar, mm-hmm. but I feel like women have control over themselves a lot more. I feel like if a woman said, I'm not going to have sex for a year, that could happen. Yeah. Whereas a man, <laughs> it could not happen. The first opportunity. I mean, the very first, yeah, after six eject. months, he's like, he's like losing his mind. I mean, I'm sh- there are obviously, you know, like, like, exceptions to every rule, you know, and, and stuff. But I feel like in general, if you, if an alien were to come down and look at the sexes, they would say, okay, a woman has much more control over her sexual 
notoriety. I don't know. Sexual, uh, like, like autonomy. Like, or, auto- yeah. Yeah. Th- than a man does. That's, you know what, man, that's a dangerous combination. I know you don't get to be self-controlled and like, I, it, it, <laughs> have they, the have, power. Yeah, they have, they have, they are more, they are better than us in yes, so many ways, so many including ways. especially that way. Yeah. So anyway, okay, cool. We I don't do want to get off topic. Have the power to create life. No, no. <laughs> but that also kind of gets me into the idea of uh, comedy as a genre. Yeah. Because this was the interesting thing. I threw out the idea that, hey, it would be fun to do some rom-coms um, to find. Well, what I specifically said was to do some good rom-coms. Yeah. And you were like, and you just paused and you, it was like, you know, someone tooted in the room. <laughs> you were like, good romantic I'm laughing comedies. at the fact you said toot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you were like, there's no such thing as a good romantic comedy. And I was like, what, what do you mean? Something like 40 year old version. You're like, no, 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 no. That's a comedy that has some romance in it. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. okay. Can you define romantic comedy then for me? Yeah. Because you say romantic comedy and I think sleepless in Seattle, I think, Made in Manhattan, oh, all these man. three word, you know, <laughs> films um, that, you know, I don't know, I guess, you know, okay. I, I see. And I, I ended up coming down on your side of it that when Harry met Sally, that would be a good one. Yes. Yeah. I think I haven't seen Harry met Sally when Harry met Sally in a while. Yeah, me either. And so maybe it's not a good one. Maybe it sucks. Yeah. Well, maybe, know. or maybe it's a really good movie, but maybe it's more drama with some romance and comedy in it. Maybe we need to cover that one at some yeah, point. Maybe we do. Yeah. Because watching this one, I would say the priorities of this movie are to make you laugh first. Yes. And to address the relationship second. Yeah, yeah. Whereas I think a rom-com would best be defined as something that at its core, the comedy is centered around the romantic drawing of two people. Right. Um, totally agree with that. Right. I think that makes sense. I never thought about it until like you kind of punched me in the face with it. So then it's more, so a rom-com. Yeah. So this is more of a comedic, this is more of a comedic romance. Yes. So it's like the opposite. Yeah. So it's not a romantic comedy. It's not because at the end of the day, from the beginning of the film, he could have been with anybody. Yeah. yeah, Right. And Mm -hmm. I think, romantic comedies set up a scenario with two people in opposition Mm -hmm. uh, in some way or another. And it's about them getting together. This movie was never about him getting together with Trish. Mm -hmm. It was about him, you know, growing into his own and losing his virginity. And of course it sets up all kinds of comedy along the way. But uh, then you also have something that maybe is like when Harry Messiah, I don't know where that's more drama set. And the, the, the pull is in these two characters or multiple characters, even, you know, living their life and dealing with some bigger issue that happens to contain within it, a story of two lovers coming together. Yeah. And I think I'm more drawn to romance movies than I am to, I, something like Notting Hill, I really love, but I think of it as this is a romance that Mm -hmm. has some comedy and, and some drama. Yeah. Maybe there is no such thing as a good <laughs> rom-com. I would need to see one to believe it because even the, the, the movies that really get hated on like the notebook, I love the notebook. Yeah. Uh, no, that's a good movie. Okay. Good. Thank you. I wasn't Why does sure. that get hated on? Because it's so like lovey. Yeah. There's just so much romance into it. And there's so many people that that's just guys. It's, that's, yeah. It's, it's guys like, being macho, like chick flicks yeah. and, like chick flicks don't have to be bad. No, like 
whatever, grow a pair, dude. Like, yeah, it's exactly. okay. It's okay. Be to, secure. Yeah, it's okay to have like a, a a love movie be good and to like it. Like, come on, you cannot watch The Notebook the first time you've ever seen it and not be affected by that. Yeah, you don't have to be weeping, but right. like obviously. <laughs> You know, like, yeah, there's some heaviness about it that's really cool. If you can't fall in love with Rachel McAdams, I don't know who you are. <laughs> Stab you in the, th- in the throat. Throat. Yeah. And so, okay. yeah, I cool. think that's I like that. kind I like of definition. where I've, I've landed through yeah. chewing on it ever since that conversation, um, cool. which I kind of like. Yeah. So what did you think, like, watching this for God knows how many times? Do you, do you still get laughs out of this movie? Uh, yeah, I totally <laughs> laughed. But you know when I laughed? Uh, well, okay. I laughed a few times with Steve Carell, but I kind of knew his, it, it, like, it, you know, he's the role. It is his, he nails it. He's perfect. You know, so I kind of remembered that. <laughs> the thing I didn't remember is Paul Rudd. Dude. He is <laughs> perfect. I peaked the, the audio yeah. on that. He is so good. I did it again. He is so good in this movie. I, I laughed pro- a dozen times, 20 times at him. At, like he made it. Yeah. He made this movie more so than Steve Carell for me, at least this time watching it. The first time it's, he's pretty understated. I feel like yeah. I, I just, from what I remembered. Uh, but this time, man, it was it was so good. I felt like even in the parts where you knew that were unscripted, like the, you know how I know you're gay, yeah. uh, which was unscripted, um, that, that evolved on its it own, totally evolved on its own. And they just let it go. And they're laughing in this. And you can tell it's like genuine yeah. laughter. It's, not, it's not like, it's not like, okay, now you're going to laugh after he says this. It's like obvious. Uh, and uh, so they just let it roll and they oh took care of it. God. Anyway, like that whole, and I know he was, you know, playing off of Seth Rogen and yeah. stuff, who is really good in this movie too. Uh, the whole goatee thing. Yeah. I don't man. know. It just nailed it. Um, but anyway, and uh, he, Paul Rudd made it for me. Yeah. I just, he's I just so good. Yeah. And he's so timeless. Like it really is like, I don't know if he's a hundred or like 20. I don't, I don't know. I mean, he does look a little bit older in Ant-Man. But yeah, like a tiny, like, tiny bit. I know what you mean. Only like more mature, not yeah, even older. Right. Just like like a senior instead of a sophomore right. kind of thing. Yes. You know, like I don't, I don't know. It's anyway, insane. He's, he was my favorite in this film for sure. He's amazing. I mean, Romany Malco. Dude. <laughs> it was so good. That dude. guy was delivering <laughs> some haymakers. So good. Like use your peripherals. <laughs> <laughs> All of it was when he was when he was arguing with that other black guy and <laughs> No, you see. <laughs> I'm not yeah, gonna do yeah, it. I'm yeah. not gonna do it. But my God, it was so funny, man. Even when he's arguing with the uh, the Indian guy. Oh yeah. And you know, the Indian guy ends up getting really worked up. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa okay. <laughs> like, yeah. like this is just two buddies going at it, and now you're getting worked up. He's like, yeah, he was amazing. I love even the uh, the final song sequence, oh, like yeah. his performance oh of that. I love so much more, even though Seth Rogen without a shirt on was hysterical. Yeah. In so many ways, I, I forgot how funny this movie really is, yeah. including Jane Lynch um, as oh, yeah. the store manager. Yeah, man. I feel like that this was my introduction to her and she's she's got the best deadpan of everybody in the movie. And, <laughs> and Steve Carell has yes. an incredible deadpan. But her delivery and just complete, I don't know, not gruesome, but she has this grit to her that uh, just completely betrays the, the dialogue that she spouts out. Yeah. <laughs> and and Jonah Hill. I forgot he was in <laughs> the it. Little guest oh, my God. So good. And then he's in the end. He's at the end. What? He was in the end. He's in the dance sequence. 
Was he really? Yes, you missed him. I did. I've yeah, never totally. seen that. They have it framed really weird where like he'll he's like dancing on the end of the frame and he'll like during his moves he'll like go halfway out so he's like only halfway in the frame but then he'll come back in. But yeah, no, he's like prominent in, in the background. That's amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Holy crap. Yeah, there was so much about this film that kind of surprised me just to jump into some story stuff. The things that really surprised me too is that it opens on him waking up and starting his day. Dude, normally that's like a really big no-no because it's cliche and derived. And normally you really want to see someone see the story begin as far into the story as possible. Not this whole alarm yeah. clock. Guy yeah. wakes up, brushes teeth. Like that's so rote and uh, gross as a storytelling technique these days. But here it really works because we get introduced to how pathetic his life is. Yeah, um, It's not by any means normal in the normal way. Uh, we get to learn who he is before we learn about the world he's in. Um, and so it's really important as far as establishing who he is because we spend most of our time either at his house or at the store. So it does make a lot of sense to introduce us to his, you know, semi stunted environment from the very beginning, right? The childish mom's basement kind of atmosphere that he's living in, which is, I think this came out when, I don't know, 2005. 2005. And so in 2019, I think those elements don't play quite as well because frankly, if I had the money my house would look a little like his, not with all the action <laughs> figures, but I'd probably want like a gaming chair or something. Yeah. Um, if I had time for games, yep. um, these days I kind of just played like super Nintendo emulators for 20 minutes and go back to video editing. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. But I love the, the, the comedy basics are in full play here. Like comedies generally you, you establish your premise. And in this case, guy needs to lose his virginity. It's in the title. You show up, you know what you're expecting. Um, And so they set that expectation right off the bat, which is a really smart title. Anytime you can do that in a way that isn't going to betray your movie, do that. Like I think another good one is uh, a good title that does this is the very long title of the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. Oh yeah. So before you ever hit play, you have this expectation of what this movie is going to be about. Yeah. And it creates an interesting level of tension. Uh, if you let, and in this case, it sets an interesting level of comedy before you ever begin. And so they establish a premise and then they give us an endless stream of hilariously failed attempts at this guy trying to lose his virginity, right? You have, I don't know, the speed dating scene and it's just kind of, and go, <laughs> like, yeah. let's, how many scenarios can we create that's going to humiliate him? Yeah. <laughs> and it's, and then of course, you know, you, you show him achieving his goal. He's close to getting there. And of course he messes it up. That's part of the whole trying to fail. But I also love that you do this, you set, you set up this premise and you set up these scenarios, but you also get all these comedians to come in and flesh these moments out, flesh these scenes out. Even though I don't think Paul Rudd's ever been a comedian. I'm not a hundred percent sure, I but think I think so. he's just been like an actor who's an incredible actor, a dramatic actor and a comedic actor. But you get these actors in scenes with each other who know how to improv and you just kind of let the editor sort it out. You let them improv. And that can be really difficult because how do you do that in editing if you don't have the coverage? And so how you shoot it becomes super important. Um, And in this case, they lock off, you know, a medium shot on each actor. So you probably have at least two cameras 
three if you're really about your business that way you can get you know those mediums and it, and i think a medium is important because it allows them to gesture and be physical so yeah. that they never leave the frame and you miss those you know physical gestures and a lot of comedy especially this kind of comedy is physical mm-hmm. um and so you get one on each and then you also have a wide master so that uh, your editor now has everything they need to do in order to make a, a moment work, you have someone saying a thing, the the reaction to it. And then in this case, like you said a minute ago, uh, you had two actors creating things on the fly that became like a staple of this movie yeah. that was just improv on the scene. Yeah. And they would have been kicking themselves if they only had one camera. It's like, oh, totally. Right. There's this organic right. thing that's just firing away. I mean, that's Judd Apatow's. It's his thing. Comedy is his thing. So he knows how to shoot it. Totally. Not new to him whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Um, And it just helps to allow these full moments to play out and you let your actors kind of jump in the sandbox without worrying about, am I ruining the production? You're right. (laughs) That's huge. The other thing that kind of amused me watching this film is uh, all the lamps. (laughs) Like, (laughs) there's lamps are they really? I didn't even notice them. I think the only place they don't have them is in the uh, the Circuit City or whatever the store <laughs> is. But there's lamps everywhere. That's awesome. Every single shot, there's going to be a lamp in someone's house. Uh, and that's just one of those cinematography basics of this is how you get a dynamic image, which can be really difficult in a comedy because comedies are lit so much brighter than normal movies. Um, yeah. And it's just easier to. Yeah, I never thought that. You know, it's it's. It's bright because I think it's also easier to to light it um, so that you can kind of get through multiple setups and it also keeps everything bright and friendly. It's cheery and you feel more welcome and bright internally having this image in your eye and it makes you, I think, more apt to to laugh because you feel comfortable whereas if everything was dramatically lit you better be making a different kind of movie yeah um in order to get those laughs because that's a different type of comedy but then whenever everything's so bright how do you make more dynamic things happen in your image i think part of that comes to you need to have more light sources in your image to create a highlight um because everything's already so bright now, if you have a, a light, then it's like, oh, okay, well, for one, here's where all that bright light is coming from. Yeah, like like a practical, like you say. Yeah, a practical, which is the light that you can see in the frame that isn't actually lighting the actor's face. Like yeah. those are other lights happening off screen, but it gives you a reason to have these bright images. The more you can have practicals in the scene, uh, then also within the uh, the image itself gives you a highlight and creates a lot of contrast around the lamps. And so it's just a very smart, smooth way of adding dynamics. But the other thing I kind of like about it is uh, you have Steve Carell surrounded by lamps. And there's only one thing that makes me think, which is I love lamps. <laughs> I love lamps. Do you really love the lamps? <laughs> Are you just saying that? <laughs> yeah. So I mean, that's kind of all I have for for this chicken. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Uh, I mean, so what would you give this then? I mean, okay, let's keep in mind it's 15 years old almost. True. You know, and it's a comedy, which I don't gravitate towards comedies. Right. I mean, neither do I. So, you know, keeping that in mind first, give me, give me what you think of it now. Like, like just, just bottom line, like without giving it any kind of like, Oh, it's older kind of like, like, you know, leeway. And then, take into account that it's 15 years old i i still like it i still laugh i still Mm -hmm. fall in love with andy Mm -hmm. and his journey i still 
really connect with Trish and empathize with her. I love the relationship he has with her daughter, Marla, and the way he can relate to Marla and what she's dealing with on a level that even her mom can't. Um, Yeah. That kind of makes him a hero. It really does, right? You know, yeah. To put himself out there with with her daughter, yeah, I'd I'd agree with that. So, dang, you know what? A minute ago, I was about to, I was pretty ready to give it like an eight, but there's so much heart. There's a lot of laughs in this. I think I got to give it a ten. If I'm honest, I think it's a perfect comedy because it doesn't just have throwaway laughs. It has plenty of throwaway laughs, but it doesn't rely on them. It relies on a really deep emotional journey that this guy's going through and it makes you laugh along the way. So yeah. Wow. A 10. Yeah. I think I'm comfortable with giving it a 10, a t- not taking the in, into account that it's 15 years old. Even. Right. Yeah. Not wow. even taking that into account. You know what? I'm probably going to, um, I'm going to give it a nine and a half. Nice. Uh, a 10 with the 15 years. Yeah. Um, I, one of my favorite aspects of Andy is his relationship with Marla. So I'm really glad you brought that up because I almost forgot to mention it. Um, he's a, he is a badass with her from the moment he meets her. He's a badass with her. He does magic to the little, the little brother. And then when she like tries to insult him about it, he basically like just absorbs it like a sponge, just like, yeah, I do ride a bike. And you know, like, I don't know. What did he say? I can't even remember what he said. Well, he she made a joke about it. the coin and the ear. She's like, oh, so you walk away all day, around all day with a coin yeah. and a big ear. Yeah. And he basically says, yeah. <laughs> uh, but he just owns it. Right. And yeah. then he, he has like these, co- a couple of comebacks and which make Trish laugh. Right. And so you get to see like a little bit of like where he could go, you know, cause he does need to grow up. You know, he, and it's not just about sex. It's, it's, you know, in his whole life, he needs to grow up. And so you get to see a little bit of like his, what he's capable of, you know, without the taking away sex, taking away, driving a car, taking away like his inability to like hit on a girl or something. Or even have buddies. (laughs) Yeah. But like when he gets on the same wavelength as someone, which is a teenager, he wins like he shines so true because she was the first person in the entire movie he actually connected with yeah i mean like on an honest level yeah on like a on i would say i would agree but on a on like a um because i would differentiate how he connects with cal and david and all the rest of the group just because they they're condescending to him yeah they're not really trying to be on the level with him yeah Um, well even but even they're not really condescending until later, right? Until they find out that he's true, right? So, like yeah. at the beginning, no, before they know point. that he's, okay. they're just like that guy's weird. I guess which is condescending, but like with her, she's inexperienced in life. She's inexperienced in sex. She's inexperienced, which you know, you know, she's inexperienced with sex from the very beginning, where yeah. she's like mad that they're having sex when she walks in on them, even though they're not, and says that she wishes she was. Anyway, so. So he knows that they're on the same, you know, experience wavelength. By the way, I got to say this. I just love her reaction when he's like, can I use the Magnum? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and she's like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he puts it on his hand, yeah. his arm. Oh, my God. It's so good. Uh, anyway, so and then, you know, they go. He takes her to get birth control. They have to do the, the whole meeting thing. And he's 
stands up and defends her and says that he's a virgin too. And he just like owns it. He's what? It's a choice. It's a lifestyle or whatever. And you know, and whatever. Yeah. He, he like, he's like the man, he's the hero for her, you know? Damn. It, it was That's great. Yeah. I just, I just remember, but it's, it's really where you really get to see his, his, what he's capable of is in that first real meeting of Marla, um, when he does the magic and, and has those comebacks to her. Like she tries to pull him down and he has these like witty, you know, I've been around for 40 years. You can't, you can't throw anything at me that I haven't already heard, you know, kind of thing. Uh, uh, yeah, that's, it's, that's awesome. Cause it also speaks to his arrested nature. Like, yeah. The, the one person he would be able to go back and forth with uh, would be a teenager because that's kind of where he left his growth. Yeah. He's still on her level. But now it's a combination of like everything you just said, like he's stepping into manhood. And yeah, I think, yeah, that's such a good relationship. It, it is one of the really big growth spurts of him stepping mm-hmm. out and kind of owning who he is and defending himself along the way. Yeah. Definitely. That's cool. Damn. So yeah, all that you're nine and a half, nine and a half to 10. Definitely. It was really, really enjoyable. Yeah. And the casting is perfect. God. Perfect. Could not do it better. Yep. Awesome. So what are you going to recommend this week? All right. Staying on the Paul Rudd theme, I'm going to recommend Wet Hot American Summer. Ooh. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy. And by the way, he looks exactly the same (laughs) in that movie as he does in uh <laughs> in this movie so that's awesome great recommendation yeah i'm gonna recommend spanglish oh. um it's a drama comedy i guess yeah and it's got adam sandler i love seeing comedians in serious roles mm-hmm. like adam sandler i think has only had a few moments where he's dipped into like dramas and rain over me i think is a great one and punch our glove punch oh god that's yeah. the best of them all for yeah. sure and of course it has its own level of paul thomas anderson humor but i really like spanglish i think it's a in terms of the textures I, it reminds me a lot of 40 year old virgin it's got this uh, specific era uh shot on film and it's interesting level of contrast that's in it and it just feels like they're they're kindred spirits almost but it's not as funny not nearly as funny it's not supposed to be a comedy yeah but i, I love seeing like a comedian take on a serious role and i think and that's, nail it. yeah and absolutely nail it cool good suggestion so yeah spanglish and so stay tuned next week we're going to do the documentary apollo 11 Oh, I can't wait to see I that. I cannot wait for that, man. Very excited. I, I have no, I have to do so much research because I have no <laughs> idea what I'm walking into. I'm yeah. going to be so excited. <laughs> this is going to be cool. Yeah. Um, and don't forget, you can subscribe and review us on iTunes. That would be a really big uh, hat tip towards us. And if you want to leave a note saying what you'd like us to talk about, the kind of things you find interesting, or if there's a movie you're like, hey, guys, I think you'd really like this movie, or you'd find some interesting stuff. Or you'd hate it. Or you'd hate it, yeah. Let us know. Drop a comment. And if you want to do that, on this episode specifically you can do that at the pestlepodcast.com slash the 40 year old virgin and we're going to leave you with a quote of the day by bill burr realize that sleeping on a futon when you're 30 is not the worst thing you know what's worse sleeping in a king bed next to a wife you're not really in love with but for some reason you married and you got a couple of kids and now you got a job you hate and you'll be laying there fantasizing about sleeping on a futon There's no risk when you go after a dream. 
there's a tremendous risk when you risk playing it safe. That's awesome. Wow. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> kind of messed up the ending there, but I, you get the gist. Yeah. Like it's, it's very well said. You yeah. really don't understand how much whenever, you know, you, you, you risk nothing is to risk everything. And yeah, yeah. so playing it safe, fine. You don't get your feelings hurt. You know, you keep all your toys intact and mm -hmm. on their shelves, hermetically sealed. And, you know, you never get your heart broken. You never get uh, rejected. You never get STDs in Andy's case or yeah, yeah. unwanted pregnancies. But you know what? He never got to fall in love. He never got to experience what it's like to go on a trip with someone you love. Like there's so many things that playing a safe neglected out of his life yeah. for 40 years. Yeah. And you know what? <laughs> yeah. There's not, I can't imagine anything worse than ending up in a situation you hate because you refuse to, to take a risk. Yeah. This, I mean, this quote is a little bit confusing to me though. So I'm um, sure contextually that's, he's on some whole other thing. <laughs> oh yeah, probably. <laughs> I mean, I think, uh, you know, obviously what he's saying is that it's not, it could be worse. Yeah. Sleeping on a futon when you're 30 could be worse. You know, obviously you know, sleeping in a king size bed, it doesn't matter if you're next to somebody that you don't love. Yeah. Right. Or if you're next to no one. Right. But I mean, I, I it could be argued that in both cases, you're, you know, you could be, could be bad. You know, if you're 30 and you haven't tried anything, but you're, you know, and, and you're alone sleeping on a futon, um, that's still worse than if you're 30 sleeping in a bed next to someone that you don't love, but you took a lot of chances. True. I mean, like, yeah. I think what basically what he's saying is that like, if you know what you want, make sure of it and go after it. Yeah. Right. And I think that we can all agree that that is important. And that's the kind of the, the purpose behind life. Right. I mean, like, like when I knew I wanted to marry my wife, I, I went after it that moment. Like I started the, the, the moment I remember that moment and I went after it immediately, like right starting right then. Yeah. You know, I had to plan stuff and ask her father and all that stuff. But I mean, point being that it took me a while to know that, but then when I knew it, I did something. And that's what I think is where you're getting yeah. at there. You know, and if, if you tried a bunch of shit and you end up at 30 sleeping on a futon, that's <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. And that's totally okay. It's when you're not trying anything. It's, it's when you're the Andy, you know, that it, it creates problems because then, you know, like, yeah. Okay. Andy's 40, hasn't had sex. Who cares? Um, hasn't been married. Hasn't, but the thing is, is that he hasn't tried any of that stuff. And that's the problem. Like not necessarily going out to get married just to, for the sake of getting married, but like, or have sex just for the sake of have sex. But he was very, you know, scared of people, scared of putting himself out there. And, and if you, if you know what you're scared of, that's the thing you need to do. Yeah. I mean, that's what I, I the thing that gets your heart going. The thing, the thing that scares me the most is the thing that I'm going to at least dip my toe in to try. Yeah. Right. I mean, I have a couple of kids and a wife. I'm not going to go jumping out of planes, even though that's terrifying, <laughs> but I have done it. That's awesome. So, and I've done it and I can tell you what it's like to jump out of a plane, you know, at 15,000 feet. 
but it's it's about trying, and I that's if that's what he's saying here, I yeah, totally agree. I which think I that's think is, exactly what I think. You're absolutely right. Yeah, he's like, trying to make the distinction. To, yeah, exactly. That's that's exactly right. I mean, you know, some people look at their life and they're unhappy with where they're at, and it's like, yeah, you know what? If you're if you've risked and you've gone after what you really want, then there's nothing to, to yeah. regret. Yeah, like you've 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 tried. To, I mean, to your point, look at. Look at Elon Musk. What if anything he tried would have failed? He would have been destitute and and have no money and nothing. But would he have done the same thing? A hundred percent, I think he would have. That is a guy who like, (laughs) I mean, say what you will about him. Some people don't like him. I don't know who, but some people don't. But this is a guy who took on, who is taking on currently the biggest difficult things that any human being could taking on auto manufacturing and succeeding taking on space travel and succeeding solar energy solar energy succeeding and this is and these are very very important things to not just you know like like uh, us in America, but like humanity yeah. to the, the to our existence here. These are vital things and scary things to dip your toe into, especially when you could lose everything. And in a handful of cases, he came this close to doing that, and yet he did it anyway, man. And he, when Tesla almost failed but didn't, he took that money and he threw it in SpaceX. And when that almost failed and didn't, he's he just he's now he's boring holes underneath <laughs> LA like. Like that son of a bitch is going to save humanity. Like we need more like him taking risks, doing things like that. It's incredible. If he would lose it all and you would ask him, would you do the same thing? He'd say, well, I might tweak a few things, but yeah. (laughs) So I don't lose it all. But yeah, I totally would. (laughs) Anyway. Well said. (laughs) I love this stuff. Wrapped over here. (laughs) Yeah. Cool. Anyway, guys, thank you for joining. Did you have anything else? Nope. All right. Done. <laughs> anyway, guys, thank you so much for joining us. I had a blast. Me too, dude. Man, this was great. Old virgin. <laughs> yeah. Golly, who'd have thought? Uh, thank you for joining us again. As Wes said, please review us on iTunes. Uh, leave us a note, subscribe, tell your friends, all that good stuff. And until next time, I'm Todd. I'm Wes. Go watch some movies.